Hey guys, welcome to the Virtus Performance Podcast. This is episode number 36. Uh, before I get stuck into the guests and they get stuck into me a little bit, I want to thank all you guys for listening. And if you have been enjoying the podcast, please rate it, share it, subscribe it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, get around us because we're trying to make the world a better place one listener at a time. Well, that sounds kind of kooky. Anyway, uh, so today I sat down with two of my best friends in the world, Dan Marasha and Kelly Ruka, two absolute superstars uh, who I've known for a long time. Uh, they are, or they have just finished studying medicine, so they spent the last four years of their lives at university and the couple of years before that doing undergrad, uh, learning how to be doctors, not nurses, not radiologists, doctors. Uh, so yeah, there's two doctors in the house. Uh, they're two lovely people who kind of think deeply about life. Kelly does, I know. Dan doesn't. He uh, he's a very superficial human. But we were able to kind of delve into why they do what they do and and what they want to get out of it and why they jumped into medicine. Uh, and we had a really cool conversation about health and and about how they actually want to make changes and. I guess the areas in which there's voids that need filling in the industry and and what we can do about it. So, and if you guys are interested in, I guess the the process that it takes to become a doctor, uh, we went through that at some point, and then it kind of descended into rabble at the end, which you know was always going to happen. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys can sit through the next couple of hours. If you can't, doesn't matter. Just go to next week. <laughs> My personal and business goal is to be just a little bit better every day. I believe everyone, especially normal people, have a story to tell. The Virtus Podcast exists to help us all find small ways of consistent improvement by discussing the journey and experiences of each of our guests. Daniel, Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank Hello, you. Hello. So exciting. I've been waiting for this one for like three years. Oh gosh, you haven't even been doing podcasts for that long. Podcasts weren't a thing three years ago. Weren't they? Probably were. When did podcasts become a thing? Do you two listen to podcasts? Yeah, we do. Which well, ones? I do. Which are your main ones? I do. Yeah. Um, so, mm. well, recently I've been listening to more philosophical podcasts. Oh, you'll fit right in here then. Oh, good. Kelly's <laughs> quite um, smart like that. She enjoys <laughs> philosophy and thinking and... I actually, I listened <laughs> to a really good podcast um, on the way home from your house the other night. Good. Talk to me. Um, so it was Waking Up with Sam Harris. Oh, what a man. One of my faves. Um, and it was about um, thoughts on death and dying. Um, what was that like? It was... It was really good. It was a nice driving podcast. Um, kept me awake, which was nice. Summarise the podcast for me. Basically, we don't think about death enough. Um, yep. It's the most inevitable part of life, really. Um, and so you should live each day thinking about death and um, taking that, um, I guess, into, into perspective with your everyday activities. So... 
yeah. you know, making the most of every day. I really like when smart people, like, uh, put across a sentiment you've always thought about. They articulate something yeah. better than you ever could. Yeah, well, like, I've always thought, like, you know, like, why are people so scared of death and... Um, let's not get into religion, but <laughs> hey, <laughs> no, obviously, <laughs> funnily enough, religion is a common theme amongst a lot of my podcasts. Yeah, well, we're, we're already there. We're yeah. straight into it. <laughs> and, but, and you'll you'll understand my view on it from back in the day. Things have changed a little bit. Oh no, I like religion. I actually, um, I uh, purchased a book a couple of years ago. A book. Um, just one. Just just one. How's the head wobble on him? Hey, I read a book. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got from start to the finish as well, and I'm I read so the proud of you. Wow. <laughs> I did not judge it on its cover. Actually, it's quite a nice cover too. So <laughs> I didn't judge it. Get to the point, mate. Um, <laughs> um, Religion for atheists. Nice. Um, by Alan D. Bottom, I think. Bottom, something like that. Um, and going into it, I thought it was like going to be like digging into religion and like you know religion's stupid. And which is like the sentiment I had when I was young and naive and immature. Um, then after reading the book, I was pleasantly surprised at how um, some aspects of religion are actually really, really quite important. And the idea of the book was just uh, highlighting how these aspects of religion can work in a secular society, which we generally live in in Western society now. It's a, it's a pretty easy thing for us as... <clears throat> mid 20 year olds who have some kind of been thinking about life for a couple of years to start to get our head around but i'm sure we've probably had conversations when we were 18 17 18 19 about it and just being like nah sucks shit house don't like it yeah Mm -hmm. definitely but now we're able to think about things a little bit more critically and understand that hey there's good and bad in everything Mm. right Mm. not so black and white when did you guys start thinking about religion because for me like it wasn't that long ago i don't think um, it was probably more when I started listening to podcasts, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, probably, I'm probably pretty similar. Um, it was never something that we talked about that was a really a thing growing up. It was something that I had a, had a problem, and not a problem, but cognitively I couldn't get my head around it when I was younger, that it was a thing. It's just like a uh, guy in the sky telling, like, <laughs> telling you what to do things. Like, but we, we have a really like, simplified view of it praying and telling that guy in the sky to look after you and things like that like for me that was and in areas still is the kookiest shit I've ever heard but at the same time um, I probably didn't start thinking about it and talking about it other than kind of knocking it Mm. um, till probably yeah two or three years ago and mostly especially while doing this podcast like which has only been six months so yeah I guess I was, um, I guess a little bit different, so I don't know how you guys were, but we did RE in primary school, mm. religious yeah. education, and it was never something I really liked or anything, it was just something we did every Wednesday, every Wednesday morning, whatever it was, and like, I don't know, like, you kind of grew up knowing what religion was and a bit about it, but it wasn't ever like Bible bashing or anything, it was more, mm. I think they used it as a way to sort of teach you lifey type things I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I remember one we did one time in like I think it was grade 5 or so um, we did this trust exercise where the, the RE teacher had a, an ice cream tub and you had to close your eyes and put your hand in there and you had to trust that 
God was doing the right thing and looking after <laughs> you and this, and there wasn't something bad in there. Yeah. And I think maybe this like starts um, shows when I was probably quite a pragmatic person. And I was just like, there's not going to be something stupid in there. We're at school, like, they can't do that. Like, there's a snake or a spider. Next minute, Scorpion, you're yeah, dead. Like, Bam, yeah. Kelly listening Rush to Sam Harris talking about death. Yeah. Rush to the hospital. <laughs> um, and it ended up being a chocolate frog, so... Treat yourself. Go me. <coughs> trusted in myself and my pragmatism. <laughs> so God's giving you a chocolate frog. Yeah. boy. Yeah. I think they call that bribery. <laughs> <laughs> We had Ari at school, um, but I was in the nun group, so growing up, I didn't have a religion. (laughs) Was it N-U-N or N-O-N-E? Because that that was a funny story. See, I was quite confused by the whole thing, (laughs) and so I thought I was nun for a bit. Mm. (laughs) That's the best. Mind you, all we did in the nun group was like... Drew, uh, drew pictures and like did colour. How, old, how old were you when you were doing that? It was primary school, so it was probably like prep and here's, grade one. Here's an in, the interesting thing about like the first thing I think about who put you in that group? Who decided that was your group? Oh, I don't know. I Not think Kelly. Probably it was, <laughs> I think probably it was my parents. So the first primary school I went to was in Caulfield and there's quite a like um, diverse religious population, I guess. Yeah. Um, so you had Jewish people and um, Christians mm. and Catholics and stuff. So everybody got split up. And I think that my parents must have just been like, oh, we don't really have a religion. So so none. She, so she can be a nun. It, it's a nun life for me. She can be a nun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's quite good. I was very confused by the whole story. <laughs> What was it like growing up in a very in a diverse area? Because I guess we didn't. <laughs> Dan and I had a very. Uh, there were shades of white. Yes, but, but that's it. Lots, lots of shades. Lots of, lots of shades, yeah. and and that's it in a in a fairly Caucasian know. population. I don't know. So we lived in Caulfield until I was um, about ten. Bit too young to. And then we moved understand. out to the birds. So, sorry? Bit too young to understand. Yeah, yeah. So if, you know, diversity is all that you know when you grow up, yeah. you don't know that it's diversity, you know? Why? It's not anything different to what... Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas, um, I, so after we lived in the Burbs, we then moved to Warrnambool when I was 15. And that is very, very white. Um, there's no diversity. Dan has a pretty funny story about a guy that he works with that um, lived in Warrnambool for a little bit. Talk to us, Dan. Tell yeah. us the well, story. This is only recent stories. It's come up just in the last couple of days. I met this this guy um, at work, and uh, yeah, he lived in Warrnambool about 15 years ago. He's from he's Asian, he's Asian ethnicity, and he was there studying. Um, I think he said about 15 years ago, and he was just saying like. Um, so so white like even he's he would go out on the weekends and the thing there wasn't much there's not much to do there wasn't much to do in Warrnambool and there still isn't much hey to do. there's whales there are whales they come at a certain time of year though okay. so. cheese whale best milkshakes there are the best food. okay there's a, there's a few things but nightlife related <laughs> yes this is a plug for Warrnambool if the yeah. uh, tourism <laughs> department of Warrnambool is listening you're welcome uh, wonderful Warrnambool hashtag 3280 <laughs> 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 it's just the end of the Great Ocean Road now we're sidetracked anyway um, he was saying that every weekend what you'd do was be go to go to a house party. Um, that would be the, the 
the go-to. And um, these were his mates that were invited to these house parties, but inevitably um, he would always get into a fight. Um, ah. Someone would pick a fight with him for being, being Asian and being different, and he just said it was just a horrible place for him to be in. And it's kind of sad to think that, because, I mean, we're quite, I mean, come from <laughs> being white, we quite enjoyed Warrnambool, you know, like, it was never, like, it's such a lovely place to hear, like, someone having that sort of experience there, it's kind of sad to think, but yeah. I guess understandable mm. when you see but, some of the types of people that are there. And his, but his perception of how he was treated and how it was, how he was raised and what he had to deal with is, is his reality. Mm. And even though, like, two people can experience effectively the same place at the same time and have two completely different experiences depending on who they are and, and things like that it's pretty it's pretty horrible but at the same time if you have if you're on the other side and you have a positive experience it's not if horrible you're wash. yeah if you well it depends on which part of the world mate like yeah, let's not let's true. not get into that all right yeah, i think it's like it comes down to empathy and perspective and like yeah. those people who do better in the world are the ones that can see or can understand what it's like for someone else to be in that yeah. situation did he stay in waterville um, no, I don't think he was there for very long. He was just studying there. Yeah. Um, so I think he said he was there for a couple of years or whatever. I'm sure the majority of people in Warrnambool are quite nice if we're implying anything else. What was a lovely place. <laughs> it is a great place. And I think it would definitely would have changed now. I think they're much, like, people are much more accepting. Yeah. For the most part. For yeah. the most part. Yeah. Well, I think that, uh, hopefully, I like to think the world's getting a lot more accepting. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Well, Australia voted yes and the parliament agreed. Yeah, we did. Good yes. from you guys. Go us. <laughs> All right. So I haven't even asked my first question yet. I don't know what we started talking, why we started talking about that. But first question for both of you, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Usually an alarm clock. Good. Usually Dan gets out of bed before me, uh, after me. So I'm the one that gets him out of bed. <laughs> nah. No, I mean, oof. Gosh, that's a really hard question. I don't think I've really thought about it. Think a little bit more philosophically than my alarm clock, because here here are the most common answers. My alarm clock, (laughs) coffee, my partner, my cat, food, my cat, I've got to go to work. All right, so let's let's think a little bit, let's delve a little deeper than that. I think probably the superficial things that get you out is what you're saying, but like, if you think about it, um, work or study has been probably what's... (coughs) literally got us out from of a bed. philosophical sense Daniel <laughs> no, 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 what, no, no, what no. gets you out of bed yeah but like <laughs> <laughs> if you if you think back and you like, once you finish your studies you can kind of think actually quite enjoyed what we were doing and perhaps that is the reason what got you out of bed every morning because sometimes it sucked I think sometimes it doesn't matter what you're doing how much you love it sometimes it sucks yeah. mm-hmm. but if you can take yourself out of that and sit down and think about it you probably really 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 enjoy it and that's what gets you out Otherwise, so just in, just in loving what you do and enjoyment. Yeah, good. Maybe I don't really know. <laughs> Cal, I think that that's a pretty good answer. Can't steal his um, answer. Man. I know. I wasn't going to. Um, yeah, gosh, I think that for me, um, it's probably more about having a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm a generally pretty lazy person if I didn't have to get out of bed then I wouldn't but I don't um, like the term lazy <laughs> we'll carry on we'll yes. talk about that later okay um maybe I'm very distractible yeah know. um fun fact knowledge bomb quick knowledge bomb okay <clears throat> so I'm, I'm, I'm listening to a book at the moment called Understanding Women listening to a book 
Yes. Audiobook man. Yeah. Twenty seventeen. <laughs> they might not have them in Warrnambool. Yeah. Now that well, you're back do. in Melbourne, yeah, yeah. welcome to twenty seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> so it's called Understanding Women and it talks about how <laughs> and obviously there's a spectrum. Like there is for what? What um, prompted you to start listening to the book? <coughs> there are a lot of women in my life, <laughs> and I want to make sure that I understand them. Uh, one of my staff members, Jess, kept banging on about it for a while, and I want to be able to understand, I guess, doing this podcast mostly, but just in my own personal development, understanding human behavior, why we do the things that we do, and why we have the why we have the behaviors that we, we do and why we react certain ways and why we act certain ways and like whether it's condition or whether it's whatever, I, want, I'll, I'll, I have a deep want to understand why. Okay. So that's the reason I've started reading this book. And one of the things that, I'm only a couple of chapters in, uh, so I'm still in it, but it talks about awareness and focus between girls and guys and how it varies Mm -hmm. guys have a very single minded focus whereas it's just bang I'm working on this so you go you go shopping for example and it's I'm going to buy shoes I go buy shoes I go home that's it whereas girls have what what they call a diffuse awareness where it's I go shopping and I want to buy shoes and ooh perfume ooh this ooh that and and you're constantly focusing on everything around you right and it's all based around like kind of the hunter-gatherer mentality that's kind of instilled in our DNA that if you're going out and gathering you need to be able to look at every part of the meadow and and see what's happening and understand what's going on if you're looking for berries or whatever whereas guys they're focusing on hunting one thing so it's all based like the first couple of chapters all based around that premise and I find that really interesting now that I've read that and heard that to start like obviously when you read something you start to notice that stuff that cognitive cognitive dissonance that you start to notice everything around you but yeah it's really cool to pay attention to what's going on at work and what's going on at home and to see that diffused awareness in action and that single focus in action yeah I think um Oh gosh, this is going to be like a counselling session in a minute. No. Um, <laughs> oh, it's, I agree. So that's that's exactly. what it's all about, though. No, yeah. So, like Dan and I have had a lot of, um, I guess, conversations and arguments at times about um, things around the house. So you know, like noticing that the floor's dirty or something like that, and that probably does come into play a bit because I'll be like wiping the bench and look at the floor and be like, oh, it's really dirty yeah. down here. Um, whereas, you know, Dan would be like, oh, I wiped the bench. I did good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I was going to say, when you you were talking about that, that's what I thought straight away. Like, (laughs) I think I'm very task driven. Like I will like, give me a task and I'll do it. Um, but I disagree that I wouldn't look around for other things. No, but but your focus would move from that other thing, right? Well, I think in... In that sense, my if we're taking the house for it uh, as as the analogy for the um, cleaning would be the would be the, would be the task. Both of you close your eyes for a second. <laughs> Both of you close your eyes for a second. Right. <laughs> the cushions on the couch to my left, to Callie's right. What are they doing? How are they sit? Callie, could you tell me? Well, I put them there. Yeah. Earlier today. Dan's Although I think that I sat there. <laughs> on the couch. Anyway, they should be like next to each other, overlapped a little bit. Dan, is that the, correct? On the well, they were. They were the before. Oh, right hand side. 
I sat on the couch briefly this afternoon <laughs> after an arduous day, arduous day at work. <laughs> Answer the question, mate. Um, I think that I, I agree with what Kelly said. They should. Be All right, so you just right pick pickpocketing Kelly's answer. Well, yeah. Kelly, you're spot on. So they are set like that. <laughs> but I don't necessarily know if Dan, if he, if we would ask him first, if he would have known, right? So maybe, maybe not. But I find I find that incredibly interesting that. Like we were talking about experiences before, that two people can experience the same thing but get two different things out of it. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. You're looking at no? Lachlan very quickly. Yeah. I mean, the, the do you not agree? On the, I, don't, I don't see where you're going. You're so task driven, you just focus on the one thing we're talking about. You're a little bit more diffused, <laughs> mate. Be a little bit more diffused. Dan's more focused on sitting on the couch rather than the placement of the cushion. Correct. Correct. No, that's not true. You guys need to read this book. Anyway, it's. Uh, it's Super cool, and if you don't get anything out of it, you don't get anything out of it. But I really, from a, I like to understand how I think as well. And I think for all the females out there, if you can understand how you guys think a little bit more, you can realize that you're just a ball of crazy. And that <laughs> <laughs> look, I say, I say that somewhat jokingly, somewhat jokingly. Yeah, but uh, I mean, if you write a book on understanding, then. <clears throat> I just, yeah, Some, something's gone wrong somewhere. <laughs> yeah, women are too hard to understand, or men are just too dumb to understand them. Well, it's a bit. It's probably. It's probably a bit of both. Like, I I buy into the the theory that if we try and communicate with someone, and they don't understand what we're trying to communicate, that it's purely our fault. So if I try and explain to Daniel about the cushions, and he doesn't understand, and he's just a little obnoxious, and he tells me that, shut up, I know what the cushions are like. Then I haven't explained my point properly, which is why I'm handballing it off to I the author and telling personality her. as well. Yeah, because I think I have a more passive personality. So if someone was explaining something to me and I couldn't understand what they were saying, I would think that I'm just not understanding what they're saying, as opposed to. Would you then question it though? Would you have the? Oh, of course you have to. Otherwise, you'd be always. Probably not always. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so so. Callie tells you to clean the floor after you've cleaned clean the bench and you haven't done it, then if you don't then clean the floor, Callie obviously hasn't communicated that well enough of how important it is to her that you clean the floor. Mm. Which, I don't know. But I've, I've, often cleaning the floor is very important. It, it's a very important task. <laughs> this has just turned into like helpless counsel. Yeah, a little bit. I like it. I like it. All right. So... Let's change the, the track of the conversation a little bit. Mm-hmm. What have you two been doing for the last four years? Um, so, yeah, so for those of, the, those of, oh for those of you, those of you <laughs> who don't know us, um, Dan and I have just finished studying medicine. Bravo. So we're now doctors. Outstanding. We're not pharmacists or nurses or... <laughs> doctor, doctor. Uh, anything like that. We're actually doctors. Yeah, <laughs> radiologists. Is that something you get a lot? Yeah. Oh, really? All the yeah. time. Yeah. What are you studying? I'm studying medicine. Are you going to be a nurse, are you? <laughs> Especially as a girl, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You probably... I don't know. You might have got it less than I did. Mm. It's usually... I think the question usually comes after... Oh, what does that mean? What, what, what happens after that? <laughs> so that's an interesting one. Because yeah. as soon as someone says medicine, you like for me, it's just doctor. Yeah, like, but yeah. you know us. Like, well, you know people true. that have studied yeah. medicine. So, yeah, that's true. I guess yeah. that some people wouldn't know a doctor, personally. Yeah. Yeah. I now know too, if anyone's they, wondering. I must assume they just appear out of nowhere. Yeah, we could start a study doctoring, I guess. They could, could, that's yeah. what they could think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How's, how's the uh, the whole 
experience of studying medicine been compared to what you thought it would be? Um, I guess for me, everybody says that it's going to be hard work. Um, but, uh, I don't know. You just, I don't know. I'm sort of in two minds about this. So yes, it was really hard. Like there were some really shit times where all I wanted to do was give up. Um, third year in particular is at Deakin at least um, is a very difficult year you sit your really big exams um, the whole year comes down to like two days of exams yeah. and it's just a bit shit um, but another part of me now that it's done was like oh yeah it wasn't that bad <laughs> you just get it done yeah yeah like so- People are always like, oh, you know, you must be so smart, you study medicine. I don't think that I'm particularly smart. You know I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I know Dan's not smart. (laughs) We definitely know that. But I think you just apply yourself and you get it done, you know. Like anything. You can do anything if you set your mind to it. Yeah, good. Yeah, it's all about application, I think. Um, I, I remember, like, undergrad... I think we've always spoken about this and I think you've even said, you know, like undergrads three years with maybe eight weeks of hard work. You study two weeks before each semester exams and um, that's when, yeah, you work hard. Yeah. Whereas medicine is like that on steroids. So you, What kind of steroids? <laughs> yeah. Corticosteroids. Corticosteroids, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. Anabolic pain, yeah. <laughs> And you, you, you like you, you're sort of working at that level for an extended period of time. So it's not about being, it's not about being smart or, you know, there are people who are really, really smart and like things come easy to them. Oh, absolutely. And there are people like, who I probably consider myself to be and Kelly as well, who are just harder working and like it's all about application. So and you're yeah. just applying yourself at a high level for a longer period of time, which is tough and it's. Like, yeah. there are tough times where you feel, you know, the time is burnt out. Yeah. But I think yeah. that's with anything, though. Mm. Like, that's not to say that people that do an undergrad course in arts or something never feel burnt out. Yeah, never work never feel hard. like yeah. it's really shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know... It's, <laughs> Everyone has those times. It's all about yeah. context, you yeah. know? Like, exactly. You, you know what you've done before. Yeah. And so you can see that it's harder than mm. undergrad. Mm. So if, if you've only done undergrad before, yeah. yeah, you don't know how hard it could get. Well, I do. I do terrible in an arts degree. Why? <laughs> Why? Be, I think you'd be okay. I think you'd be okay. <laughs> no, I'm like, I imagine like it's, you know, I'm, I just don't like. Yeah, I'm, the point is like, people have their, their areas where they're good at. Yeah. You know, like. Oh, so you're good, good at medicine. Yeah, I'm great. <laughs> Alright, doctor. Science, like like science, yeah, like stuff like that makes sense to me. One of the things I was talking to Katie about this once about hard work, and she said she said to her brother once, she said, "I'm not smart, I just work hard." And she said her brother said to her, "There's no difference." And that was a couple. I think it was a couple of years ago we were talking about that, but I'll always remember that because it it genuinely is like yes, some people are naturally more intelligent than others, but whether you apply it or not is kind of up to you and mm. if you apply and apply yourself in something whether it be a medical degree or a or a arts degree or whether it's 
you know, working a trade. Yeah, exactly. Working on the tools for twelve hours a day. Like, if you apply yourself at something, then you're going to move from where you are now to where you want to be. Yeah. And it's a it's a hard thing for people to kind of get their head around. Some people to get their head around. A lot of people, it's it's just natural. But if you want to get anywhere, you need repetition. You need to work hard over a long period of time. Yeah. And it takes and it takes time, and it takes blood, sweat, tears, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I kind of like that. I like that sentiment. That's quite nice. Write it down. Yeah, put on the fridge, I reckon. <laughs> put it on yeah. a t-shirt. Right on the wall. <laughs> Everywhere. Yes, the wall. Yes. <laughs> um, do you do you think? And this is something that I've been thinking about with uni. Cal, do you think you could do it again? Um, Which is an interesting, like it's a weird thing to think about. Like, would I do it again? Or could, no, sorry, could I do it again? Which of course you could. Do you mean, could I do it again starting four years ago? Or do, starting, could I do it again starting, starting now? Starting now. Because so like, the reason I ask the question is because if I feel as though that if I went back to uni now, I would be like, this sucks, get me out in the real world. Yeah. Like, every day and that would suck <laughs> it'd be hard um I think that it's hard because I mean Dan and I are in a period now where we're not yet working so mm. we've finished uni we've finished our exams we've passed we've graduated done all of that so now we're just waiting to start work yeah so yeah I mean I could probably do it again would I want to <laughs> not even a little bit not even a little <laughs> yeah. bit um yeah. I'm so ready to be paid <laughs> yeah that's true um, Got some medical bills to buy. Uh, some, could uh, I do it again student? now? Probably, but once I start work, probably not. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, medicine's a an interesting field though because you never. Well, I mean, it, it should be like every job. Ever. Yeah, yeah. You never, you never, you never stop, stop learning. Learning. Yeah. Um, and so you know, now that we've finished medical school, we then go on to. Um, further training and that type of thing and specialising if we want to your GP is still a specialty in itself so you still have to do a training program (laughs) just a plug for all the GPs out there yeah good from you guys from um like this is something that obviously I've learnt over the last four years with you guys going through it yeah but for for everyone out there listening who don't necessarily understand what a medical degree involves and then obviously a couple of years afterwards talk, talk us through the process how does it work from Starting uni to yeah your special okay. specialty. So um, Dan and I did a post grad, um, which means that we did a uni degree before we started. So mm-hmm. in my case, I did exercise science. Good from you. And yeah. I studied yeah. biology. Yeah. Biology, yes. Um, and so from that point of deciding, oh yeah, maybe I want to study medicine. Um, uh, you sit the gamsat, which is a pretty big exam um, and it goes for about eight hours Um, I mean it's an aptitude test but it's also a knowledge test as well you're meant to have some sort of background science knowledge (laughs) Uh, that was was good for me Uh, but you you did it yeah I did it I fluked it but that's okay what's the uh, the pass rate or the how many times do people usually sit it because it's not one of the most people pass is it um, it's difficult. It's not really like a pass mark that was in, but in terms of like, f- like yeah. failing or passing. If well, you're yeah. well, I guess to put it in some perspective, um, 
It all works out on a bell curve. Yeah. As we say, the you sit the test in the Melbourne showgrounds and the big, um, the big exhibition pavilion building there, and it's just full of like examination desks. So that's full, and that's Melbourne, and it's all around Australia, and they sit them in New Zealand as well, and you can do them overseas in London and a couple other places too for the Australian submission. Yeah. Yeah. And like, what made like forty thousand? I don't know. I made up my. Like, that's like a big number. That's four thousand. Yeah. Let's go four. It's Maybe four something rather. Yeah. <laughs> four thousand more reasonable. I don't know. There's a lot of people. Oh, I could be forty though. I don't know. Yeah. Not obviously. Not many people get through. Like in Victoria, I guess Melbourne take like four hundred. Yeah. Three hundred, four hundred. But there's some some people that have sat the same sat that exam six, seven. Yeah. Five I mean, times. there's a story of one guy that we went to. Well, we didn't. I think it was a couple of years above us or whatever. Who sat the game set? Got in on his like seventh go. That's insane. Yeah, now that's dedication, mate. That's some uh, resilience. Yeah, right there. yeah, great resilience. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, so you, you both pa- passed so the game set with flying colours. Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so that was my second. I, I did it twice. I did it twice as well. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's pretty pretty common. Yeah. Um, and so you sit the GAMSAT and then you use that score to apply to all of the medical schools in Australia. Um, and if you're good enough, they give you an interview. Um, and then if you're good enough in the interview, then you get a spot. Um, in terms of the process of medical school itself, so usually there's a preclinical component, so you sit in a lecture theatre and you learn about the pathophysiology and all of the sciencey stuff behind it all um, for one or two years, depending on the school. Um, yep. And then you have your clinical component, so you spend time in the hospital. Um, being a junior member of the medical team. Also <laughs> um, <laughs> surgical team, yeah. Um, and you just follow the doctors around and you help out with their jobs and, and you see doing. patients and you learn by doing, yeah. 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 Um, and then do you want to keep on going? Yeah, keep going. And then, so, so now, now that you've finished uni, what's yeah. next? So we have a year of internship. So we're a very baby junior doctor. Um, and um, we're allowed to work in a hospital, but really the majority of our work is like paper pushing. Um, organising tests for patients, um, maybe working in the ED, although you do have to work in the ED for a yeah, period Yeah, because it's not just one area, you have to go through all the different rotations, yeah, right? So Basically, you have to do... we're the backbone of the team. <laughs> <laughs> Without us, the whole hospital falls down. <laughs> we are the walls, we are the... <laughs> um, yeah, sure we are. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Hey, take it. For the next 12 months, take it. Yeah. Or you'll be taking it. You do five rotations in internia um, yeah. and you have to cover ED, um, a general medical rotation and a general surgical rotation as cool. well and then the other two are just whatever. And then from there you kind of, once you've done your internship year, you kind of start figuring out what you want to yeah. do when you grow up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So for most people that includes another couple of years in the hospital. Um, at least, yep. even if you want to be a GP, you still do a couple of years at the hospital, and then you get accepted onto a training program, and you're working while studying for exams and yep. that type of thing, and then eventually you become a consultant or a boss, um, or a boss, and that's when you get paid the big bucks and you can charge your patients. So for everyone that whinges about doctors getting paid so much, how many years would it take you to get to that? 
big boss yeah. status. Yeah. Kind of depends what um, specialty you go down. So it varies quite a lot. So yeah. like, um, I guess on one end you got GP and the other end probably surgery, be the two real different ones. So yeah. GP, um, you spend the two years in the hospital first. By that time, you get onto the program, and then you start working as a, what they call a GP registrar. So, it, so a registrar is a person that's on the training program um, in that particular specialty. Yeah, gotcha. And then from there, a couple of years, maybe like four, maybe I'm not really sure exactly. Then. I think it's three or four. Three or four years before you can become a consultant GP. So if I decided tomorrow that you know what I want to follow in my hero Dan Kelly's footsteps <laughs> and become a doctor, I've got ten years ahead of me before I'm a GP, really. Before you're, yeah, before you're a fully qualified yeah. GP where you can open up your own practice and whatsoever. That's all the time. Yeah, and if you want to be a, a surgeon, which is probably on the other spectrum of much, like really, really competitively onto a program, it might take you that four, four plus years just to get, on just to get onto a program yeah, and then there's still huge. the extra training you have to do once you're on that program. Do you, do you two know what area or have an idea of what area you want to specialise in as of yet? And I'm sure you've been asked this question a hundred times. I'll answer for Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to answer for each other? That could okay. be cute. Yeah. So I think, I mean, knowing Kelly, she's a very caring, <laughs> compassionate person. All the qualities you'd want. You've still got to clean the floor later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's oh, just a great, great person. <laughs> Okay. Just going which, nowhere. Which means I want to be what now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Kelly wants to catch babies for the rest of her life. She wants to be working up at 3 a.m. Um, because one of her patients has gone to labour. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, she wants to, you know, well, I was going to say do pap smears all day, but that's not going to be the idea. She wants to put in intrauterine devices. <laughs> Sorry for all of those people that get a bit squeamish about vaginas and uteruses and uh, other we, we womenly need to be able to talk parts. about these things. Um, it is a really important thing to talk about, though. Um, I don't know. Well, so cervix. many people. That, sorry. The cervix. Well, use this, use, the use the next the thirty seconds system. as a yeah, pub, public service announcement for all well, the females listening. Is a, new, just, is a new form of cervical cancer screening a bad idea? Because there's a perception out there that every five years it's like a bit lackluster. No, so the, the screening processes have improved, um, which means that the screening has to happen less often. So, and um, less invasive too. So, yeah, uh, no. it's sort of just the same. It's like a normal pap smear, um, except they use a different brush, that's all. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> So you still get I'm a speculum. You should be across this. Yeah. You still get a speculum <laughs> inserted into your vagina, but only and you still yeah. only every five years. Yeah. Though. yeah. <laughs> um, no, so cervical cancer is very slow growing though, so um, you don't need to worry that it's lackluster. <laughs> <laughs> nice, that was like nice the concern. That was your concern. I know. <laughs> People were worried that you know the, we just the government's lost money and no. haven't got any time to screen everyone, so they're doing it every five years instead of every whatever it was previously. It's definitely, uh, we have we have lived very different lives for the last couple of years. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't heard of this? No. Okay. No, I haven't. But maybe no. I should. Look but I think in general, like the people are so reluctant to talk about you know something 
either like sexual or something that might be perceived as a bit gross, like you know yeah. bowel motions or um, everybody urine poops. or yeah, everybody poops. Everybody goes to the bathroom. I was Everybody, convinced for a long time. Half the that population girls didn't. has a vagina. <laughs> you I was convinced for a very long time the girls didn't go to the. I genuinely don't feel as though that's a hyperbole at all. <laughs> <laughs> just wouldn't believe it. It's not gross. There you girls can't do that. No, I play on. I just yeah. I just think that people need to get over themselves and yeah. Um, <laughs> if something's wrong, then you need to say something because we can't. As doctors, we can't read minds like. Yep. We're pretty amazing, but Didn't we're not that amazing. Didn't you come class? <laughs> Sorry? Did you sleep in that morning? <laughs> that was the a reading lecture. mind. <laughs> reading mind lecture. But I think that, but that's such an important thing to go like, you know, if something doesn't feel right or you don't feel right or something's going on, yeah. talk to your doctor. I've got a question for you, Lachlan. This Hit might me. backfire, actually. But when was the last time you went to a GP? I ran into my GP <laughs> down the street, like genuinely two week, couple of weeks ago, and uh-huh. I was walking, and I have no shoes on, like I have now, and I was walking on gravel, and she's like, "Put your shoes on," and I was like, "Wow, it's my doctor." What caring um, doctor? She's a superstar, but she's moving to Ocean Grove, so I'm really, she, I'm really upset, a bit selfish. Uh, yeah, fair enough. But it's like surf and stuff, whatever. Um, but yeah, gen- genuinely, it's been a while. Like just to go see a GP for the sake, like why? Why? But why? But that's the thing, like anything, and being in the health sphere, people come and see you when they have pain, or people come see you when something's wrong, or mm. very few people will seek like me out as a strength coach and a performance coach when they go, you know what, I just want to be better. They can mm. seek me out when something when they've been injured or anything because everyone's bulletproof till they're not, right? <laughs> so, answer your question. I don't think I've never gone and see a GP just for a checkup. Yeah. But but. Can you do that? Like, is that is of course that? You can. But can you go? Hey, nothing's wrong with me, but I just want to know if everything's alright. Like, that would be a weird thing for me. You know, I, imagine no, I do that agree. Would I do feel agree. weird because yeah. you know the first thing that you um, that someone or that a doctor says to you when you walk through the door is, um, "What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, we don't say it like that. What's brought you in today? Uh, what's wrong with you, mate? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But What's yeah, I've, I've only gone when I need when I need something, and it's always usually yeah. been football related. Yeah. Or do you feel like you have no problems in going to your GP though if uh, something was wrong? If something was wrong, I would have no issues. But I yeah. I have a and you have really good relationship with my GP because like of the football connection. Yeah. And she's local now, so oh she was local. She is for like two weeks. Yeah. Is that um, lady was in Tired, yeah, I gotta find a new GP now. It's yeah, really upsetting. Uh, yeah, she sounds quite good. Yeah, so um, if you two could tick that tick that <laughs> process along. Um, Sorry, but, it's another six years away. Oh, get stuff on. <laughs> but but that is serious. Like I don't feel as though I would. I'm not a hypochondriac by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But it'd be I'd love to come to you guys. Actually, the last time I went, I went to get blood tests. Mm. I genuinely sought her out because I said, look, I've got. I'm working a lot. I've I actually just remembered I'm working a lot I'm like flat out at work I'm trying to play football yeah. there's nothing wrong with me right now but can we just get some blood tests to see if I'm missing anything but that's from someone who's in the in the health industry yeah. looking at my holistic health and well-being and going you know what I need to make sure I'm ticking all these boxes yeah what, what were you worried about missing whether it was something nutrition wise or whether there was whether I wasn't getting enough sunshine I don't know what, yeah. I don't know what it could have been, but I think I got my like testosterone and stuff checked, and because I wasn't sleeping a lot, um, like all these things, all these markers that I was just like, I just want to make sure I'm okay. 
Yeah. She called me. She's like, "Yeah, we're all good," and that was it. So I didn't actually look at the results. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I don't know. It's an interesting one. And like for me, who someone who wants to, I want to optimize my health. I don't want to just be okay. I want to optimize my health. I'd love to be able to come to go to my doctor and say, "Hey, what's some what's some cool stuff that we can test to to help me make sure that every, every, like I'm ticking all the boxes." And to make sure that I'm not only ticking the boxes, but I'm like, you know, filling my cup in all the different ways I can. And whether it's a new, something I can take, be taking nutritionally or something I can be doing differently, it'll be cool to be able to do that. Mm. I like to, I guess this could be perceived as a bit naive um, if any doctors are listening. <laughs> but I would like to think that if Please I call was if to are. become <laughs> yeah. a GP, that... Um, I would offer that service mm. for my patients. Yeah. But it's not something you really get taught. <laughs> no, it's not something that you get taught. Yeah. And um, gosh, I don't know. Like, I suppose back to that point before, people do go into a GP with an issue yeah. that they need fixing. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I mean, I imagine that in your fifteen-minute time frame. Which is the, which I which, feel as though is the first problem. Yeah. But anyway, carry yeah. on. Um, that those types of issues are going to be really tricky to tackle. Yeah. Okay. Um, Go on. I was going to ask you, Dan, do you have a GP? No, I don't have a GP. I, was I knew the answer <laughs> to that question. <laughs> I was just going to... Wow, uh, straight under the bus. Cool. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> so those first floors, huh? Um... I was gonna. I, I found it quite interesting about you talking about going to the to the GP to get some tests done to because you want to know how to optimize yourself. Um, to me, that kind of I just like the first thing that comes to my mind, and I understand where you're coming from, is like waste of money. Okay, from whose point of view? <laughs> the world's. Okay, that's a, that, 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 that's the first thing that comes like it's. I, didn't say it's gonna yeah, take no. up my mind completely. Yeah, this is a thought that pops into my mind because, like, and I, maybe that comes from the fact that, as Kelly was saying, like, you know, in medical school you learn how to treat unwell people. Yeah. So, and like I said before, we don't get never a lecture on or get a tutorial on how to treat the healthy person. Like, there's yeah. stuff you can do for preventative health and talk about things, but it's not necessarily you know like we'll check these markers and see how you're doing do you- all these things. Do you think the system then is mm. fundamentally broken if we, we just treat and don't prevent? Oh, of course, definitely. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are, measures, there are preventative measures out there, though. So That's, things like yeah. pap smears are a preventative mm. measure for cervical cancer. Yeah. You know, um, there's Skin cardiovascular checks. disease risk profiles that yeah. GPs can do. Um, yeah, but it's something, but it's. it's and, and, of course, it's but on, on the person a, to seek it out. But For a beautiful specimen like Stop yourself, it. Stop it. There's not really I'll put a photo up for those listeners that I haven't mean, seen me. I mean, your GP could do a skin check and yeah. A very fit ex-VFL footballer. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I don't know if you can see your own. But, but I think it's <laughs> like, so do you guys have a range of lectures on what, what in my world, I'd call holistic health and well-being? So do you mean like complementary medicine? The, or, no, not complementary medicine. No, yeah, of course. But, but yeah. So, so for example, right, if someone comes in and says, I've got a headache or I'm not feeling well or I'm sick yeah. or anything, would you talk to them about, and I'm going to go through the list of things that we tick off 
with okay. people. Um, do you guys talk about training and nutrition? Do you talk about daily movement? Do you talk about like hydration, sleep, um, sleep quantity, sleep quality? Do you talk about their stress levels, what they do for work? Do you talk about um, whether they spend time relaxing? Do you talk about their relationships? Do you talk about their energy levels? Do you talk about their time management? Like, do you think, do you, do you cover, like do you talk about their like I know this is a little deeper but do you talk about like job satisfaction all those kind of things of that so I would say your role is to find out why they're getting the headaches and usually the most common cause is a stress headache or so they're just dehydrated or like yeah like I'm just picking yeah. things out but so uh, the problem is like it's hard to speak when you don't have any experience yeah and and this is like more of a what you're taught kind of deal yeah yeah so you you, well I mean you get taught different things at different levels though so like Mm -hmm. at this this stage you are taught to like find out why they're getting the headache yeah and say that the common the common cause is stress induced headaches Mm -hmm. then the next logical step would be to work out why they're being stressed and if there's anything to do you can do or can be done to prevent those headaches and alleviate that issue. Yeah. So How do you that do that in 15 minutes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is with like, it's a really hard one, right? Follow up, follow up appointments. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess <clears throat> from my point of view as someone in, some kind of in the industry, part of the in, your mm-hmm. industry, I, we used to do one hour introduction sessions, right? And for me, that was grossly inadequate just because we mm-hmm. can't, yeah. One, get to know someone. Two, check if they can move. Three, talk about all their history. F- like four, talk about their lifestyle. And five, have them actually, like have us actually talk to them about what we want to do with them. Mm. So we've changed that to a three-hour one. So it's three one-hour sessions mm. over a couple of days. And it's, we found that it's been, we're able to kind of touch on everything. Mm. But even then, it's still up to them to act on it. And I, I, I think... For me, if I was a doctor and I had 15 minutes with someone, it would be so frustrating to have someone come in with a headache and go, they go, oh, what do I, like, I need something for it. I need antibiotics. So, like, <laughs> like, not necessarily for a headache, but hey, no, yeah, people true. would probably come in and say things like yeah, that. Yeah, like, yeah. And it's, you know, yeah, you've got a stress-induced headache because you're running yourself to the bone and you're yeah. not actually drinking water or hydrating or doing yeah. all these things. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I guess... That's where the role of follow-up appointments comes in. Mm. Um, but also, you know, as a doctor, you're kind of, and a GP especially, you're kind of the middle person, right? Yeah. Like, you work out what's going on and you work out what's going wrong. Yeah. And you send your patient off to then the appropriate people so like yeah. if we were working on the peninsula we would send them to Verdes stop it or, <laughs> um, great plug great, great plug but and that, and that's something that I uh, Coop um, who works at Verdes we had a really really good good chat about kind of that role the other day and we were saying that I think we've had the chat a couple of times because yeah it's such a freaking good idea <laughs> but I genuinely feel as though there should be like a I don't know I, I still can't figure out what it could be called, but like a professional referrer, right? So if we get the spectrum of health and medicine and we go the whole the whole spectrum from, or let's go from medical to performance, right? Mm. If we're on the medical side, we have all the different practitioners that have their own, own different roles. We go the performance side, same thing. In the middle, we've got, you know, you've function stuff, so like physios and osteos and myotherapists, all that kind of thing. Gen pop, 
people, and I say gen pop because that's a term we use. I'm sure you guys might use it. Normal patients, right? Lay people. <laughs> wow. Wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily know who to see for certain things, right? I have yeah. people come to me and say, like, yeah. oh, I just went and saw my doctor, I've got a sore hamstring or something like, yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, uh, you probably should have gone and seen a physio, because like, yeah. yeah. they're trained in, mo- in movement, right? Yes. I got I a cold, I, like, you're not going to go see a physio. Yeah, I would hope that a GP would recognize that though yeah. and be like, oh, you should go and see a physio. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then a GP might have had a bad, bad like, uh, inference with a physio at like when they were 18 and then they might go now nah, physios are no good like just That's like a really I wouldn't I wouldn't a I really naive way I, w- I would hope that GPs aren't as narrow minded than that so. but alright so let's go to the narrow minded thing like what do you guys think of the other doctors the chiropractors like <laughs> So, can you repeat that? <laughs> Again, the other doctors. I'm not actually sure which one of you guys study more, a doctor or a chiropractor. Or a chiro- chiropractors are doctors, of course. So, Do you know any chiropractors? Good personally, no. But a few... Is that, is that preference that you... No, no, personally, I just... I, <laughs> I, 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 so, obviously, there's a lot of bad in every... I mean, I heard it's quite back-breaking work. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> That's why I didn't go down that I, path. I might just pop into a chiropractor. Um, but <laughs> Stick your neck out and get in there. Serious conversation, Dave. But the way I kind of, like, I have... I've seen a chiropractor once, mm. and before he actually assessed me, he asked me whether I wanted a payment plan or not. And that was my first... <laughs> like, pay, like, would you rather play, pay for all eight sessions up front or one at a time? Like, Mate, we haven't even had a chat yet about what's going on. Like, yeah. and and obviously there are some amazingly good chiropractors, and there are some not so good. Same with doctors, same with performance same coaches. Ex- yeah, but exactly yeah. right. So some of the people I look up to most in my industry, whether it, like health, health function performance industry, like obviously they're all overlapping, but some of them are chiropractors, right? Mm. But their ability to identify well, part of chiropractic is incredibly kooky and doesn't follow part of it is stolen is taken from different uh peer-reviewed literature that actually follows follows the right right stuff and then part of it's they've devised their own way of treating but the way i look at it right if it makes people feel better and people actually change and people adapt and you actually move the needle then you're doing the right job right so whether they're chiropractors or physios or whatever doesn't really matter if you're getting the outcome that you're looking for mm-hmm. but in but in saying that like I have a bias to not send people to chiropractors because of the uh, the thing that what happened to me right and I have a you know I have certain physios that I'll send people to and certain physios that I'll say hey you should go see this guy instead yeah um, but it's all about finding people that you trust in and I guess this, the thing I struggle with with so many different overlapping practitioners is it's hard for me to know sometimes who to send someone to. Mm. So I can only imagine someone that doesn't spend their whole life studying and and in that area, how hard it would be for them. Yeah. But I think that's where your GP role comes in. Yeah. So like your your example of the person previous that attended their GP because their hamstring was sore Mm -hmm. is... That was an actual story too. Yeah. I bet it's a very common story. And like I think both of us in our GP rotations would have seen people with musculoskeletal complaints. Yeah. And like there's some that you can, you know, like simple things that you can easily help the patient with because you're trained to a certain degree 
in that. But obviously there's someone, as you said, like a physio who is much more capable. Yeah. Um, I guess that's and what I was saying is your, it's your GP's role to be able to refer on and yeah. sort of understand where this patient should go for the best care they can receive. That's mm. why GPs have the hardest role. Yeah. Mm. And they're so undervalued. Mm. Um, you know, like, they have to know in their area, um, you know, who the best people are to refer to. Mm. Yep. They have to know um, when to refer, what they can deal with themselves, oh. when to bring them back. All within 15 minutes. Like, <laughs> it, it's insane. Yeah, luckily enough, there's a new um, Health Pathways, which is a new initiative, um, yeah. which helps GPs. So it's made like, so you, you break Victoria up into health networks. Mm -hmm. And so each network has like its own pathway of where to refer and who are the specialists to refer to. So it's a lot easier. So like, it, like literally what you do on the website is you say Lachlan's come in with a sore knee um, so as a doctor you work out what you think's going on and then you diagnose and refer according to the best practice in that area so yeah. that would be like you know like say you had osteoarthritis mm. in your yeah. knee yeah. refer, to, the refer to a physio but also refer to the yeah. orthopedic surgeon and yeah. refer to blah 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 yeah and that's and what tell you tells you who is that who's in the area that you can refer to and yeah I like that yeah it's great that. it's a fantastic idea and it's all peer reviewed and like yeah. um, and, that, and that's the way I think medicine should be is because we're not going to find <clears throat> like one person that's able to do each each practitioner's job right yeah like the performance coaches are probably the closest you'll get <laughs> <laughs> no but in all, in all seriousness like it's it's so hard and I think I'd love to see GPs that are, like, from my point of view, trained in movement, right? Because then you're able to go, well, this person doesn't have, like, a sore back. Well, they have a sore back, sorry, but it's not because of their back. It's because their hips don't move. Or well, I think we've got a great example of that. A guy in Warnbull, Murray Graves, he's a, a musculoskeletal physician. So he, he, a GP. Yeah. Um, but the majority, I would say, like, I don't know, maybe like 90% of his patients, if not more, mm -hmm. are, like, musculoskeletal patient and like he um yeah he's all over it like he's we were lucky enough to learn from him that's cool yeah and like yeah do you want to move to Mornington <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> but, and like I guess I'm sure the people down here are like that yeah, just well, trying yeah. to find them you know and find them and find the right ones and not yeah. have to like like any profession you gotta you gotta f there's gonna be good and bad but I think like my like I'm sure you guys both know this but for those guys listening we're trying to at Virtus, our goal is to kind of create a holistic health, well-being, performance center that has. Kelly just spit, spilled her gin all over her, so. She just found yeah. what you were saying really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know what's the goal. Of yeah, I don't, yeah. Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Sorry for trying, trying to change the world. Yeah, just trying to make the world a better place, guys. Sorry, but but trying to find. <laughs> what a shambles. <laughs> trying to find like one or trying to create one place where you're you know I the way I simplify things and I simplify a very complex system into three parts it's health function performance to if we can find you know all the different practitioners that fit into each one and have them all into one 
like multidisciplinary practice where everyone communicates with each other with each other everyone talks um, talks about their patients and, and talks with their patients in a position where you know like for example at the moment I'm able to go upstairs and sit in on one of my clients sessions with my with our physio Greg and able to actually you know kind of problem solve with him about what's going on and talk about what's working like perfect world I'd be able to add a GP to that and an osteo to that and a you know, we've, we're lucky enough to have myotherapy and dietetics and, and Pilates and all these different things and everything, like physios hate chiros and chiros hate osteos and osteos hate myos and they go, no, nah, that, that's rubbish. But everyone's got something to offer. Mm. And I think as soon when we finally allow ourselves to remove ego from the situation and of course everyone, and, and the reason why it's there is because everyone needs to get paid. Everyone, you know, it's a, it's a, yeah resourcing time and money that's probably the big issue but <coughs> if we can fo- move like slowly start moving the industry to that point I think everybody wins so you're asking for more collaboration more collaboration yeah definitely yeah well I mean that's that's what medicine is like yeah. it's such a collaborative practice and that's yeah. like I think the way we get taught is collaboration is the key to getting the best outcomes for your patient and without collaboration that isn't achieved so Absolutely. I think um, for us it's hard though. So we see patients from low socioeconomic backgrounds who can't afford a gym membership at Curtis or can't afford to go and see a myotherapist or a physio or whatever. And so that's where you're, I guess, sort of stuck. So in Mm. theory, it's great to have collaborative practice where everybody can afford everything. Mm. Um, And I think that, you know, even um, maybe Cairo and, um, you know, uh, Chinese medicine and that type of thing. Naturopaths. (laughs) Naturopaths. like whilst it's not evidence-based if it makes someone feel better and they can afford to do it and they're not wasting their money on yeah. it then that's fine yeah and it, and yeah and i guess the like cost is relative to value yeah like if you spend a thousand bucks over a year at a chinese medicine place and it makes you feel better then maybe it's worth it like yeah. other people might go well i'm still in the same spot i am now but i like hanging out with that person for now maybe it's worth it yeah. if, if yeah, like for me if yeah. it's not moving the needle then like I'll mm. move on mm. and yeah and, and you're right like the money thing's a big part of it and that like mm. res- those resources whether it be time or money are kind of going to impact what kind of yeah. what kind of yeah outcome you get but I don't know I just find it really interesting yeah and I, I guess, think it's oh, oh go sorry on. no I was going to say I think it's just like, like from what you were saying like um, it's hard to see the people in that situation where you, you know like we get taught about all this stuff and like obviously have a good relationship with you and understand the people you can't you see mm. and it's just it's hard when you like people like those patients from low um, socioeconomic backgrounds yeah. they just can't afford it and, and and it's so hard because like if if I could like I, I like to think that there's like three or four things that I, I could teach everyone the world would be a better place because people would move better people would feel better like they're not difficult concepts I feel that if I could teach people that you know if your hips don't move and your upper back doesn't move guess what's going to hurt like your lower back's going to hurt if your hips don't move and your ankles don't move guess what's going to hurt your knees going to hurt like if everyone understood that man the world would be a better place yeah. 
I mean, it's tricky. Like, you get those, we would get those patients that would come to a GP and they'd be like, and the, the problem would be the lower back. Yeah. But to them, the problem is the lower back. Yeah. And um, when they're not educated in health and, you know, physiology and all that, they <laughs> they um, don't understand that the issue is somewhere else and yeah. they want a quick fix and yeah. they want a fix now yeah, 100%. and they want you to provide that for them and like to say actually I could refer you to this guy I know he's they're, they're really good where these people are they um be able to help you out right. now I want to get fixed now yeah I mean it might take a few weeks yeah. and it's going to cost you out of pocket no yeah exactly but some, and, and generally some, some people choose whether intentionally or unintentionally like a lifetime or a long period of time in pain because they don't want to spend a couple hundred bucks once yeah. which, which but that like we're all adults we can all make our own decisions but yeah. I don't know if, if the education's there and I don't know how we get it there I'm, I'm purely just just kind of going perfect world scenario but if the education's yeah. there and people want to make that decision fine go nuts like you do what you want, but I don't know. I find it really interesting, and I find it something that I feel is always changing. And I guess I surround myself in environments where it's changing, so that's yeah. the frustrating thing. Yeah, it's hard. You don't really know. Um, like, yeah. Yeah, I think um, you're bang on the money there, though. With education, is the key. Yeah. Um, you're at our. But everyone wants to watch the Kardashians <laughs> instead. I mean, you can supplement your Kardashians. <laughs> 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 If you're watching the Kardashians at the moment, just just Google like joint by joint approach or yeah. like maybe the ad search would pop up on YouTube when you're watching like reality yeah. TV should be educational <laughs> ads. <laughs> Stop it. Like that's an idea, right? No, nah, it's not. It's not gonna happen. And like we can't skip the ad when that's on like <laughs> you know, channel nine. It's gonna be about 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 uh, like buying your car a home line or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um yeah, that's really interesting. Daniel, I wanna I wanna know why you wanted to become a doctor and why you, well, became a doctor. Like, mm. really, give me a simple, yeah. concise, elegant answer. Okay, I mean, this, this answer comes from reflection, actually. I was thinking about today, which is coincidental. Tactical, good. Very tactical. Um, I think when I first found out that medicine was an option, um, would have been about, actually, like first or second year uni. Yeah. Um, I think previous to that, I've always... Um, enjoyed the idea of health and um, yeah healthcare professionals well, every time we talked about it, it was like, I like science <laughs> yeah I mean in a broader sense and I think like that you know science was with the first interest into that mm. and then it formed into human physiology that was the interest yeah um, so then in about second year uni um, one of my other friends uh, told me about the GAMSAT and like we met earlier, the process of getting into medicine. Yeah. And it kind of occurred to me at the time that um, doing a degree in biology was good. I was interested in it. I liked it in high school, but the really only options after finishing undergraduate would have been to go into research, which I didn't really think I wanted to spend my time in a lab doing stuff like that. Like you do look good in a lab coat. Great in a lab coat. It really brings out my, my eyes. <laughs> Somehow, I don't know. <laughs> Makes it look brown or pasty. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, or um, doing further education and 
becoming a, a teacher or something, which I think teachers are great, but mm. I didn't think that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so I thought I'd give it a go. Um, I thought I liked helping people. I thought so be... you fell into being a doctor. Basically. I kind of fell into, into medicine. Yeah. No, I know. I, I, God, that's I obnoxious. I don't mean that obnoxiously. <laughs> I don't do it like lightly. I think that's how it happened. Like I didn't really plan on doing it, but I thought. Of, I think when I think back on it, I've always yep. thought it was something that I would have liked to have done. Mm. And then, like more recently, um, and I think in the last few years. I mean, going studying at medicine when you're like 21, starting studying medicine when you're 21, to finishing when you're 25, that's a good portion of like your adult intellectual life. development, yeah. I think. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think I've found a lot of myself and like sort of what I like and how I perceive myself, I guess. I don't know. Um, and I kind of like looking back on it, I think. I do enjoy the idea of helping people and making a difference to people's lives on an individual basis. Yeah. Um, from, a, from a... To carry on from that question, if you could explain your personal philosophy on life, what would it be? I think you've got to find something you're passionate about. Oh, good. Like, this relates back to the first question you asked about waking up in the morning. Yeah. And I think if you can find something you're passionate about and it gets you up in the morning and it pushes you through the day mm-hmm. and it pushes you through those terrible times where you're actually not enjoying what you're doing yeah. because everyone goes through those times like yeah. we were saying before like you know studying something can be really shit sometimes like crap absolutely horrible but you're working towards something that's bigger than that yeah yeah and then you're like you might sit back or you learn something really interesting and like it just pricks your your mind and you're like this is so cool I'm and you so remember why you're doing it yeah, yeah yeah and I think that's it so when you find your passion mm. I think that's what yeah definitely yeah. Would you say your purpose as a doctor is to help people and just to make the world a better place through the, each person you see one at a time? Um, yeah, I guess so. Like, I mean, like it's the healthcare, the cornerstone of healthcare is helping people. Yeah. Um, I know we, we, we were talking about earlier, like the whole idea of treating versus preventing. Unfortunately, like when you're quite junior, everyone goes to the hospital, so everything you see is uh, treating, yeah. essentially. Um, but the idea of preventing is quite exciting as well. Mm. Um, I don't think currently I want to go down the GP pathway. Um, it's really upsetting to me, because yeah. I guess I'm going to have to hire Kelly instead. Yeah, but I think there's other ways <laughs> like, you, can, you can help out with prevention and like public health is yeah. something that stands out as an interest I think you don't have to help like when you're talking about prevention you don't don't have to help a million people at once I think if you help mm. the people around you and those little circles then effectively yeah. you are making the world a better place yeah I think I really like the idea of um, the opportunity to empower people to make a change in oh, their own lives great work <laughs> yeah I think that's yeah. that's a very exciting prospect of um being in healthcare, that the, the ability or the opportunity to empower people to make a difference in their lives. Yeah. And whether that be someone like, you know, in the next year or so who's in hospital and for whatever reason could be the first presentation, but like being able to spend that time with them to teach them about the what's happened to them. Yeah. And how they can prevent that in the future or prevent whatever happens um, getting worse or whatever. And that's fair. Very, very exciting opportunity. 
Yeah, I like that. And a privilege, really. I like that a lot. It, yeah, and it, it, but that's the cool thing about it. Like, you're humble enough to go, you know what, it's a privilege that I'm able to help people. Mm. I'm a pri- privilege that I'm able to make someone's world better by treating them or teaching them something or empowering. Because a lot of people would be like, what do I get out of it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I don't think we've ever really... And we've, had, we've had these discussions amongst us. Um, like Kelly and I and our housemates previous and you know other peers from uni about about that and like I think the good thing like the good thing it comes back to that same sort of sentiment like people enjoy the idea of being able to help and be able to empower people to make a difference in their lives yeah and like yes there is definitely um, personal benefits from it but the fact that that's not your main driver um, although it's enticing it's great yeah. and, and it's fantastic that we get the opportunity to have that it, yeah. it's not the reason why, like if, you, if that was the reason why you did it, it w- you wouldn't get anything out of it yeah. personally I was having this argument argument with one of <clears throat> one of my clients who's a nurse mm. and she hates the I do it because I want to help people thing and we unpacked it and we talked about it for like 15 yeah. minutes and we got to the end and I'm like okay so basically what you're saying is you want to do it you do it because you want to help people. She's like, yeah, but it makes me feel good. I'm like, but what's wrong with that? Like, mm. you're able to make yourself feel good mm. and help people at the same time. Man, that's a dream. Mm. Like, that's exactly what what I think as humans, human peoples, that we're all chasing. Like, we're all chasing that ability we, to... Yeah. yeah. What do you think? Do we ever do anything, though... For someone else that doesn't make us feel Are you good. asking, is there such thing as true, true altruism? Yeah, I I think the answer is no. 100% no. I am so behind the answer being no. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Because but that's okay. Yeah. That's as long as you acknowledge that, as long as you don't go into that being naive and thinking, oh, I'm just going to do so much. Yeah. Mm. Like, I used the example with Geordie the other day. Like, we, we're lucky enough, I'm lucky enough to be in a position where we can run fundraisers once a year. And, and raise money for one of the families that come to the gym like that makes me feel really warm and fuzzy inside like I love that I'm able to do that mm. so just because I feel good about it doesn't mean it makes it any less meaningful or any less no, beneficial of not. so but it's I don't know I find a couple of people I talk to struggle with that but it makes me feel good I guess portion of it mm. what, why did you want to be a doctor Kelly? oh gosh like, like really concisely um so I like people I like talking to people I like helping people I like I said before so my first degree was in exercise science and I worked the noblest of professions carry on um and I worked for um a couple of years in a a physio clinic Mm -hmm. um as a very unqualified exercise physiologist and I always felt like I wanted to do more for the patients or the clients that I was seeing. So I wanted to be more involved in their um, diagnosis of their chronic disease, the medical management of their chronic disease, and really work in a very holistic space. Yeah. I think as I've gone through the last four years that... Um, has changed a bit um, and I, I've kind of forgotten that person so 
it's nice to reflect on that. Um, it's probably hard to that reflect reasoning. on during, like, your degree. Yeah, sure. Um, but I don't know. I like the hospital now. Mm. Um, I yeah. still really like people, and I still like helping helping people. Yeah. I say that in inverted commas. Um, I like the way that it makes me feel. For those listening at home, Kelly just did the little finger thingy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I guess my reasoning for studying medicine has changed. I like the science behind it um, as much as I hate to admit that. Yeah. Um, Dan's genuinely jumping up and down his chair. <laughs> I, I don't know, just yeah, like I, being involved in people's lives. I think that's a, like, I think you're trying to unpack an answer you've already given. Like, you know the answer. You, yeah. Which is cool, because everyone just wants to help people. Mm. Alright, I've got a bunch of questions for you guys. They can be as long-winded or as short as you'd like. Most people would have zoned out like an hour and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm done if you're still listening. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if anybody wants to read more about uh, true altruism, oh, good. there's a good book by Peter Singer called Doing the Most Good That You Can Do. Is yeah, I think called? you're like saying the title of the book by about five words, but it's... What's it called, yeah, mate? The Most Good You Can Do or something. The Most Good You Can Do. Yeah, yeah nice. Peter Singer's most recent... It's on your bookshelf. Can I borrow it? Yeah. Go and grab it. it. Oh, I can have it. Yeah, yes. I'll pass it to you right now. Presents! I love presents. We and can't have it. You can borrow it. Um, oh, you don't have it. And jumping on that altruism morale, like uh, uh, Richard Dawkins' book, The Selfish Gene, is for those more science inclined, more more than philosophy. Book but he's not great. That's a good book. Mm. Anyway, good. All right, got a couple of questions for you. Yeah. And you've both got to answer them, and I'll flip who goes first. So for the first one, Daniel, you can go first. <laughs> have you had a defining moment? No. Kelly. No. Oh, cool. No. It might come this year. Might come tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe. Might come tonight. Maybe. Hey, there will be plenty of defining moments. Have you tonight. had a, demi- a defining moment? I have. I've had three. Okay. Can you My briefly first Do you tell choose us? your defining moments, or no. does someone else like? Well, like, obviously, you don't like. You can't plan a defining moment. But like, but do I? Go I think defining moment. Defining moment for you. And, but, and this is a like it really depends on the person what they feel as though is a defining moment. But mm. I feel as though my defining moments have been when I've sat there had a kind of not had a really complex thought about where I was in that particular time and what it was actually doing to me or I look back now and remember that moment as that's where my mindset changed or things changed right Mm. Mm. my my first one was when I was sitting in a an ethics lecture in my exercise physiology masters on a Monday night at about Mm. 8.40pm and I was like what the fuck am I doing with my life like I, I was just like miser- somewhat miserable right not miserable in the fact that I didn't have everything that I wanted but miserable in the fact that I was like this is not taking me where I want to be yeah <coughs> that's a um, moment yeah so, sure. yeah so that, that and that moment caused me and like I was like I had a bunch of stuff like I think Pa passed away a couple of days later and like we had a bunch of stuff going on but I made the decision then and there in that lecture that I was done with exercise physiology exercise physiology which turned out to be like the best decision, one of the best decisions I've made, right? I had another defining moment where my business partner left last year um, and maybe a week after, so I went through the, the, a couple of stages of grief, I guess. 
the first couple of days afterwards, I was super positive, and then dad uh like he meant the best but he was obviously he's very risk averse and didn't want me to have to struggle like i was going to have to um and was very negative about it and that put me in like a really shitty spot for like a week and i was just like no it's like all the things that i wanted i'm gonna lose and everything and i had a defining moment i'm like well this is the best thing that could happen to me because one i'll fail and have to do something else or two i'll work so hard that I'll learn how hard I can actually work and I'll make it make it work and like now looking back 12 months on like I think I was in my office I was in the office at work sitting there by myself kind of sitting there going oh, fuck how am I going to make this work and I remember that moment and yeah and that that's been the catalyst for me putting in all, all the work I've put in for the last 12 months and like it's a like I'm a completely different person Jim's a completely different gym like our community's a completely different community in terms of what our values are and I feel as though like it's the first the last six to eight months the first time I feel as though like I know exactly where I want to be all the time which is not that I didn't feel as though I knew it but it's it's a different knowing now and the third one was when I first started my podcast it was it was <laughs> it was a public holiday I was sitting in the gym by myself going oh, I want to really like I've wanted to start one for ages and it's something I've thought about since starting listening to Joe Rogan like two years ago and consuming a lot of his podcasts. And I was kind of like, you know what? If I don't do it now, I'll never do it. I literally ran to my phone, plugged in my headphones, press record, recorded a 13-minute babble about me talking about rubbish, <laughs> uploaded it, and said... You still like talking about rubbish, right? Yeah, well, that's it. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Nothing's changed. But now I get to talk about rubbish with other people, and that makes yeah. me happy. Yeah. Whilst drinking gin, so yeah. shout out. <laughs> and that, that moment and that realisation that everything's on me and if I want something I'd do it I can do it and if I don't want something I can not do it and if if there's something I want to change I, I can change it that ability to have that ownership on every part of my life like it's it's a small thing pressing record and talking about it and uploading it but that's but yeah they've been my three defining moments so sorry to steal your steal the question no, even though I asked you to no that's fine like, I do, mean, does that help does that show you tell you that maybe you have had a defining moment or not because you don't have to not personally but I, I feel like maybe like what you were saying before when perhaps when you were working as a yeah. very unqualified EP <laughs> it's something similar like similar where you're just like no nah, this isn't for me I want to do something else I think I want to do medicine yeah I think maybe is it harder like you, there was no like yes we've finished and we've graduated but there's no like Lachlan just spoke about it, a bit of success like he's been able to look back now in like, the last eight months the gym's where he wants it to be yeah I don't know um I guess maybe that moment but you don't have to have an answer but I don't know I think it seems, it's an answer itself if you can't it, think of one yeah you know, a defining moment. it seems insignificant now yeah 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 I don't know yeah, Maybe I mean, I, I, I feel for myself, like, things just, just know, really kind of happen. Like, I haven't ever sat down and be like, I want to be a doctor. I'm, I can't help I I'm can't help but feel, like, moderately responsible for your success, though. Uh, solely responsible. Oh, like, our graduation <laughs> was another one of your defining moments. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but that, was, that was, it was cool, like, on your graduation, it was cool to be able to sit there and kind of look back at, like, you know... Remember, still remember the time like we sat there and studied for biology in like year twelve. Yeah, ridiculous was that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were we thinking? Yeah, exactly. I just wanted to hang out, to actually, to be honest. We didn't do much study, <laughs> but like it was cool to be able to see your achievement over the last, like you know, 
how long you been spending uni? Seven years? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Dan spent seven years at uni. Like the last seven years of our friendship and to be able to see it like culminate in a... Something. Yeah, in something something that was actually a thing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he's like, oh, that's what he was doing. Oh, makes sense. That's what he went to. (laughs) I was wondering where he was. I hadn't seen him at Rebel for a while. (laughs) But yeah, and it was was cool to be able to celebrate that win. So I don't know. I feel as though that that could be a defining moment, but Mm. I guess we'll... We'll, we'll see how we go. I don't know. To Brad, me, it feels like a stepwise progression. Like, yeah. there's no, like, one point where something's just turned on its head or, like, yeah. Yeah, I've changed something dramatically, like we've, we've explained. I mean, I was pretty proud at grad. Yeah, I think it's, it's hard. Uh, you cried, mate. I, yeah, I did cry. You totally cried. Yeah, I cried. Which is nothing you wrong with You cried multiple times that day. <laughs> I did, yeah. Um, Crying doesn't One was more alcohol and juice, but, you know. <laughs> Um, so Dan almost got arrested, but that's for another time. <laughs> when we were taking the Hippocratic Oath, which you two are about to, to like walk through with us. <laughs> oh yeah, great. No, no? Not, okay, no. we're not. If you if you want to know what the Hippocratic Oath is, Google it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really accessible. I cried, and um, it. I don't know. At that point, it felt like a real achievement. So. It's hard because when you're in a group with, you know, 130 yeah. other medical students, yeah. finishing medicine doesn't really seem like an achievement, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, all my friends did it, yeah. so... Which is actually quite interesting because I think medicine's so, like... Um, we're, we're kind of pretty close up on them, but being warnable too, like, even more so, mm. it's quite far from, from everyone else. So we're in a really tight-knit, very um, close group that like everyone was in the same situation, everyone was going through the same thing. It's not, it's only like when we came back to like, even the other night at the gym, yeah. when like four or five people come up and like, congratulations, congratulations. Yeah. Like, it was actually, quite, it felt like- Because you're something. out of that environment where everyone else yeah, is on the same everyone's side. here. Like, yeah. I mean, we were congratulating each other on Thursday, but it kind of felt like it was just, you know, part of the, part of the game. <laughs> like, yeah. it's what you did. Yeah. But when other people outside of that who don't necessarily know what you've, been through or experienced yeah. still um, well, aren't like you know are happy to congratulate you because they believe it's an achievement yeah that's kind of nice that, and that's when you really have you two like have something. you had two yeah have you two had time to reflect and, and kind of give yourselves pats on the back or each other I think I think we've been pretty good constantly throughout like medical school yeah we've had our challenge like we've had our challenges throughout medical school it didn't it, did get shit at times. Yeah. Um, so I think that we've both been very supportive of each other. Yeah. But it's still that same thing, you know, like we're both doing it. It's no different from any of our other friends mm, getting yeah. through. Um, so it hasn't been huge of an achievement. Yeah. Whereas really it's like, all right, next question. What is your greatest achievement? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say finishing medicine, but feels a bit of a cop out, doesn't it? <laughs> it does feel like a bit of a cop out. Um, Great segue, Wallace. I think so. I'm gonna get personal for a second. Go nuts. I think that my biggest achievement was earlier this year. So I actually failed my emergency medicine rotation 
Um, and Dan and I were all set to go off to Europe for 10 weeks and work over, oh, sorry, six weeks and work over in Scotland. Mm. And as a result of me failing that rotation, I had to repeat it. I think that it was a huge achievement for me to cop that on the chin and come back. Yeah. When I found out, I was completely devastated. I was oh distraught. Gosh, I was like, worse than anyone. On yeah. the floor, like banging my hands and feet, like I was yeah. wailing. Yeah. It was yeah. bad. It was horrific. Um, and then we still went overseas, and I came back after ten days, and Dan continued on to Scotland, and I repeated Selfish. my. Yep. <laughs> I repeated my um, rotation. And it was pretty shit, like, to know that, to know what could have been, mm. um, that I could be travelling the world and, yeah. you know, seeing medicine from a different perspective and that type of thing. It's very much the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that initially I thought it was going to be horrible. Mm. But I got through the first day. And I turned up again the second day and eventually six weeks was gone. Yeah. And I had a really good time in the end. And I think that the ability to turn something terrible or what I perceived as terrible in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't like I, you know, lost a family member or anything. Mm -hmm. There's your defining moment, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. But, Maybe. And I think like that's so important to be able to, like work yourself out and I think it's okay to be devastated and okay to be and like I think I can't remember if you told me or Dan told me but man my heart sank I was just like oh no that's horrible but at the same time like I love the quote uh, life's 90% of 10% of, of what happens to you and 90% of how you deal with it like you could have gone nah, I'm done I'm shitty and just like had a horrible time at your rotation and probably may or maybe failed again but you allowed yourself to go you know what if I rock up today like I, if I show up that's enough and then tomorrow if I show up that's enough and then by week two you're back enjoying it yeah. and it's that's pretty cool yeah, should be proud of yourself that's awesome I had the best time I got some great opportunities mm -hmm. going back and yeah yeah definitely oh. made the best of uh, a pretty shitty situation that's what life is yeah. Well, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, last thing would be perfect. <laughs> yeah. Good. No, it's totally true. Like, yeah, you got to. What question I ask? Achievement. What What's yours? Hit me. Um. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> haven't had it yet. Probably haven't reached it yet. No. I mean, I think we've nailed some pretty good friends. <laughs> Crickets. Define nailed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, I find. That I assume they're in the room. They, they could be anywhere. Yeah, true. It might not have met them actually. Um, I don't. Know, I always find these questions like very, very difficult. Um, do you do you think the more you think about it, the better you get at answering them? Because no. I've I find I hear having done thirty six of these now, I find I get I'm able to think more. Okay. about each of the answers that I would give I think like automatically when someone asks me a question like that I just shut off and yeah. it's like oh, old mate struggled too other Dan yeah I, I I don't know like I I feel like I am very much 
for progression. Mm-hmm. Like I like to advance myself, I guess. Like I don't, <laughs> one of my <laughs> greatest. <laughs> <laughs> I was in my interview for my internship position. Yeah. Um, Dan and I just looked at each other for those of those, uh, those of you playing at home. Um, and, um, you know, you had to say, you had to introduce yourself and say, one of the questions was, what are you passionate about? And it was a group interview. Yeah. And one of the guys goes, I'm uh, very passionate about, uh, improving myself. <laughs> it's just such a... Yeah, such a wanky answer. Yeah. And I think what I just said there remind, obviously remind you of that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not what I meant. I meant like... That's what he meant. That's basically what he meant. No, I just feel like... You're a pompous ass, mate. I, no, I feel like once I've done something, I'm on to the next thing. Yeah. So I don't think of it as an achievement. Like, yeah. I feel like... But do you, do you feel as though, like that constant... It's almost as if you're never satisfied or you never stop and enjoy what you've done. Yeah, probably more the first one, yeah. never satisfied. Because like now at this point here is where you can definitely sit back and enjoy finishing medicine, being doctors, again, in inverted <laughs> commas, because you don't really feel like you're a doctor right now when you're just doing nothing. Yeah. Um, and, but sort of still a bit anxious because you want to start doing something You're, you want it to come around so yeah. you can start doing it yeah, I get that. so I'm, I'm waiting for that next step yeah. so I don't, I, don't, I just feel like when I achieve something like you know finishing high school finishing uh, undergrad finishing postgrad this is like there's steps and yeah. there's a bigger picture out there so yeah, I don't cool. see them as my greatest achievement they're just part of achieving something I, I like that what advice would you give 15-year-old you? And th- and that's a question for both of you. So, mm. proceed. 15-year-old um, me, I was a bit of a rascal. <laughs> bit of an idiot. <laughs> I'm not, don't be an idiot. <laughs> um, I kind of wish I worked a little bit harder in school, uh, which sounds a bit silly looking like, I don't know. Just, yeah. So I feel like I never really tried that hard and I feel a bit stupid for not doing that. And like, there's probably a few life things I missed out on, like learning <laughs> when I was 15, which probably would have been handy to know. Like, like what? Math in particular, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably could have been a, a better hand at math if I'd tried a little harder in U10 maths or whatever it was at that age. Yeah. Which I almost failed. They <laughs> didn't want me to go ahead and do U11 math. Right. So, try harder. <laughs> try harder, yeah. Try harder um, But stuff. don't you think that that makes you the person that you are today? Yeah, definitely, of course. Yeah, everything does. You're, you're defined by your past experiences. Absolutely. And your future endeavours. Yeah. Oh, stop it. <laughs> so, do you think that you would have worked as hard now? No, no, I don't think so, actually. If you yeah, hadn't yeah, had those really, experiences. No, if I hadn't been a lazy, righteous little shit when I was, <laughs> when I was 15... Then I, I knew that guy. Then your dad couldn't remind you of the time that you worked in. This weird story that he makes up that I worked <laughs> for him for a couple of weeks and decided I wanted to go back to school. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the holidays and <laughs> I worked there for a couple of days and I'm like, no, I probably don't want to do full-time work. I'm going to actually do school. Well, actually study a little bit. Study a bit harder. Towards the end of year 12. Cal? I'm probably the opposite. 
I'm quite a serious person and I think that that's started um, from quite a young age. So I think, yeah, relax a bit. Don't take everything so seriously. Chill out, mate. Good. Have we probably like turned around? You two have flipped. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's that is why so you're perfect perfect. together. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Uh, this, this is an interesting question in term, in light of what you guys have just achieved, and I use the word achievement intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> it is an achievement. Good. Well done. Yeah, well done to you too. Give yourself a pat on the back. Well done to you, Lachlan, as well. Thank you, mate. I can't. I, it was tough. It was tough. <laughs> touch, touch and go there for a minute. <laughs> If money wasn't an issue and you couldn't fail, what would you what would you do with your life? I think Kelly's first. Kelly's oh, first. If money wasn't an issue and you couldn't fail, yeah, I wouldn't do anything different. I love that answer. I don't. Yeah. I okay. don't see money as an issue. Good. You know, um, I guess. Eventually, we're going to be fortunate enough to be earning some good money. Yeah. Although, Dan and I had a conversation about this um, yesterday. And um, I think that people need to realise the amount of costs that doctors yeah. have. Yeah. Um, and the reason that specialists charge so much money. Mm. Um Because the specialist is the only source of income for that whole office. And they've got... You know, um, yep. a receptionist to pay and all of those things. But Don't worry, I understand overheads. Yes. I understand. Yeah. Overheads. <laughs> Plus the effort they've put in to get to that position and yeah. that, their yeah, personal absolutely. investment to be where they are now. Yeah. 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 Um, and things like insurance costs and that type of thing too. Um, but I have never seen money as an issue. Good. You know, like. It shouldn't define and, and we're, and we're, your life. Yeah. Although it does make life easier. Yeah. Mm. But it shouldn't define who you are or where you're going. I think we're pretty... Like, I'm kind of the same. I think we're all pretty fortunate to be able to say that. Like, a lot of people can't. Yeah. Which is obvious, but it's nice to be able to remember that every yeah. now and again. I like to think that Dan and I are part of, you know, a group... A changing um, culture of medicine where you don't have to come from a privileged background. So, like, my parents still rent their house. They're not particularly well off. Um, You know, I've never been at a private school or anything like that. A lot of our friends that we study with have, um, and their parents help them out paying their way through university. Dan and I both have jobs and that type of thing. Mm. Um, Yeah, I'm extremely proud of where we've come from to be where we are. Yeah. Not taking away from anyone else who has come from a privileged background. No. In any which way or form. But I think it just makes you you um, appreciate your achievement, your personal achievement, when you factor in that, like, that we had to hold down um, casual jobs and working 10 years in retail. And almost about to finish my last retail Christmas ever. Yeah. So bloody exciting. You said that like four times, mate. Have no. I? No. I've said, I said that a couple of times before I did it. Mostly for the discount. But you're right. <laughs> but it's, it's nice to see you patting yourself on the back finally. Yeah. Yeah, good from you. <laughs> if you guys could re- be remembered in one sentence, what would it be? Oh my God. I think you summed up quite well my 21st birthday, didn't you? There were graphs. There were lots of <laughs> the greatest speech in the history of the world. Yeah. Yes, it was a PowerPoint presentation, and there were graphs. How did I sum it up? Do you remember? I don't know. Annoying, but not too annoying, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you 
Just the right amount of annoying. <laughs> I want your answer. No, I think I don't think you've heard it a lot. I'm pretty sure I just made up then. Annoying, but not too annoying. Yeah. Good. Cal? Passive, but not too passive. <laughs> Sitting on the fence, but having an opinion. <laughs> but not a strong one. But not a very strong one. <laughs> an, an enjoyable guy to be around. <laughs> No, I don't it's, know. It's a oh, that, that's a handball. <laughs> Sorry, you weren't very verbal with that hand gesture. Yeah. Um. Oh God, that's so hard. Is that huggable, lovable kind of guy? <laughs> Girl. Well, it's you six now. Twenty seventeen, mate. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it'll be twenty eighteen when this podcast is out. So. I don't know. Takes things a bit seriously, but. I don't know. Can have a laugh. Can have a laugh. <laughs> oh can, my god. Can, can drink, that's such a terrible answer. Can drink sentence. lots of gin regardless. Mm. Good. I don't know. That's a terrible answer. Sorry, Lucky. That's <coughs> alright, we'll work on it. Uh, what is success to you, Kelly? Having purpose, being happy, being surrounded by family and friends. Awesome. Embracing failure and learning from it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, good. Well no, done. No, no, good. <laughs> you can see that the whole time. I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> I want succinct answers to this one because we could go on, like this is a topic that we could talk about for another podcast. But if you could go back to back to high school, year ten, what are three subjects you wish they taught you, or three things they wish they t- you wish they taught you at school? Mm, I wish I did economics. Yeah, like some basic form of economics to have like a little ground in there. Um, Broadly class it under like life skills. Yeah. Um, how to change a tire, how to Yeah, like how to change a light globe, how to Yeah. How to service service a car. Mm. Um and one more. Hmm. Use your words, mate. Well, <laughs> yeah. No, that'll do for me. Like, cool. Cal? Um Politics? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we Although, had commerce. I wonder whether... Yeah, I it's wonder... It's a bit different, though. We, we sort of covered it in commerce. Yeah. I wonder whether you 10 me would take it on board, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, like, I liked what you said before, Dan, about 21 to 25 being a big part of your intellectual development. Like, a massive I part. I think, like... Politics and like religion, gl- religion and glo- and global issues are things that we want to talk about now. Yeah. But we didn't want to talk about then. I'm so impressed when like younger people are like talk about like, topics like that. Yeah. Or even know like I met this girl um, at Rebel in Warrnambool. She was one of the new girls that started there, and she was in year twelve. She just finished year twelve. Yeah. And I can't remember the subject that they did it at high school. Um, but it was about writing a thesis, um, and her thesis was on, uh, euthanasia and, uh, what, um, say 18 to 21 year olds, uh, understand and think about it. That's a gnarly topic for an 18 to 21 year old to talk about. Well, that's what, exactly, like an 18 year old girl to know what you've, I don't think I knew what euthanasia meant when I was that age. It's the young people in the, uh. Asian region. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, wait, that's what we're talking about now. Isn't that it? makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, thought, I was just like so happy that like... I apologise for joking about such a serious topic too. Yeah. 
yeah, so, yeah, so I like that. happy and excited that someone that age was like thinking about something mm. like that. That's cool. Mm. Mm, I think my other one would be like research skills and evidence. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Which is that, that's what that, that topic really was. Yeah. To discern between right and wrong information. Mm. Yeah. Fake yeah. news. Pretty cool enough. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, everything's fake news these days. Yeah. It's 2018, I guess. Yeah. Or is it? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Who are your heroes? Who do you look up to and why? Keep, one obvious keep one. it simple Wallace stop yeah. it Al Wallace three votes <laughs> first three votes for a while appreciate yeah, it yeah. I really do look up to you because having these types of conversations you know you have them with a whole bunch of different people and to like hear about your experiences and see how you've grown as a person both you know professionally and personally I think that it's amazing. Like, you're the best. You used to be a little shit. Still in some Ah, that time that we got kicked off a <laughs> brewery what tour. What time, Billy? <laughs> I did get kicked out of a brewery tour, but you know what? Can't win them all. We're in a brewery. I drank too much. If you're going to drink, like, it's like getting sick in hospital, yeah, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, Kicking him out, he's sick. He's bloody sick again. <laughs> it's ridiculous. This is the third time now. <laughs> I appreciate that. Stop it. <laughs> Now give right. me a real hero. Mm. My mum. Good. Mm. I don't know, to see some of the adversity that she's been able to do with over her life and, you know, before I was born and that type of thing. Um, I think that it's something that I've definitely reflected on and grown from um, going forward. Yeah. When when did you allow yourself to or allow yourself to reflect on that and actually, you know what, mum's awesome? Um probably it would have been my early twenties, so I'm twenty seven now. Um late twenties now. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> late twenties. I think I don't know. I moved out of home when I was nineteen. Mm. Um yep. so and I lived on campus for a couple of years, so probably yeah, around it's that a, time that I moved out properly, like yeah. into a house of my own and that type of yeah. thing. Yeah, it's I think it's something that t- it tends to be a common topic on this, a common theme on the podcast. Like people get to like early twenties and start to go, "Holy shit, my parents were right!" Like, or you know, if they weren't right, like, "Geez, I appreciate all the stuff they did for me, all the yeah. sacrifices and stuff." And it's it doesn't. Yeah, it, they never really ask for thanks, but it's always nice to be able to give them. Yeah. That's that's a cool reflection, Daniel. Yeah, I'm I'm never really like aspired to have any heroes. I like aspects of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I like qualities of people more than like people themselves. What, um, what are the qualities that you look up to? Mm, I feel like people people are like that have made massive changes in their lives. Mm-hmm. Whether that be like go from one career to another, or I don't know someone who was quite overweight and lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, yeah, things like that. I don't know, like... Um, Just people that have overcome adversity. Yeah. I think it's really... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like when I was younger, I had, I had heroes, but I think they were more, like, a bit superficial. Robert Harvey? My man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like... I'm sure he's a nice guy, but... I don't know about, like, sports stars as, as, as like, heroes. Like... Yeah. 
they're good at something. It depends where you aspire to be, though, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, no, I appreciate the aspect that they've worked extremely hard yeah. to be in that position. Um, like, you, you think of people like, I don't know, like Nick Rayrock or whatever, for instance, yeah. like, works, like, worked really, really hard and was really, really um, diligent with his like, exercise and diet and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I, I can really appreciate that. I mean, I, I don't aspire to it. Um, but I think it's a, I think if you ask people like who they look up to or who their heroes are when they're 5, 15 or 25 and 35 yeah. they're going to get 40 from people yeah, yeah. which sure. is which is cool because it shows us like what our mm. focus is on mindsets like in different areas of yeah. our life 5 is, probably Batman <laughs> 10 still Batman <laughs> 15, 15 Batman Superman <laughs> if you guys could invite I'm going to go 4 people 2 each 4 people to dinner who would they be and why they can be dead or alive um, Richard Dawkins for a good chat. Oh yeah, yeah uh, he's chat. coming soon. Can you yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm going with Mitch. So, you need to. <laughs> um, do you have another one? Who's that guy? Sam Harris for me. Yes, totally. We get Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris in the same room. It's just like. Oh, there is a podcast of Sam Harris and Rich Dawkins talking. It's really good. I thought we listened to that one already. We did. Yeah. Yeah. Listen again. Listen there again. you go. I'm just telling the people. <laughs> for everyone else towards the microphone and let everyone know <laughs> um, you know what would be actually quite interesting I've never noticed that guy with the glasses Andrew Denton yeah oh he's a ripper bloke though he would I, he's met some pretty impressive people and I would say he has some pretty yeah interesting yeah, like stories yeah, he's got that's one out of the box that's a great answer mm. he's got some amazing stories about um, euthanasia and end of life very good podcast he has actually. yeah I can't remember what it's called but Lots Search Andrew Denton in your podcast app. I'm sure we've sure we had fun. Cal, who is your couple? Oh gosh, no. So Sam Harris is one of mine. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know who my other person would be. Oh gosh, it's too much pressure. Did you give about Lockie to dinner? Feel like. Yeah. Well, go He's already one of my heroes. If Sam, <laughs> if Sam Harris is there, I'll probably be there. Yeah, yeah true. That's cool. You'll be invited. I like it. Right. No, Tony Abbott. Tony Abbott. <laughs> Bit of a laugh. <laughs> I'll budge himself. Oh, actually, um, Peter Singer. No, oh, no. yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very vegan, though, wouldn't we? That's fine. Yeah, it's fine. BYO. Alright, last couple. I want a bunch of favourites from you guys. Uh, first thing that comes into your head, this has got to be quick. Alright, favourite fun fact. <laughs> Come on, you've got a good one. I know exactly what you're going to say. Do you? Yeah. I, got, I think I'm yes, so you do. Blank. Come on. No, you put the, you're putting way too much pressure on me right. right now. Cal, you're up. Fun, favorite fun fact. Oh my God, I don't know one. There's so much pressure. Holy I know. Shit, you can't do that. Yes, yeah, it's, like, it's my podcast. I do what I want. There's going to be radio silence the next minute and a half while you guys figure out your favorite fun facts. But hey, carry on. If you're listening, if you're know. still listening, Google fun facts. And just like yell at Dan and Kelly for yeah, what they should be saying. Get as many as you can. Get them together. You got a duck one. Like... Oh yeah. Oh, thank you. Oh you're, god. You're welcome. <laughs> so, the largest uh, penis to body size ratio of any animal in the world is the duck. If you don't believe me, Google, Google it right now and look at a picture of. Go down to the park and check. It's actually really <laughs> interesting, and be, and this is check like bread with you. This is like evolution saying. Yes to women and empowering women. <laughs> the reason why the male's penis is so long is because the female's reproductive tract, reproductive tract, is so convoluted and long 
to prevent um, impregnation, impregnation, being impregnated by a male that the female duck does not want to. Oh, yeah, you told me this one. So they kind of are getting raped and that. <laughs> <laughs> but they can still say no to having a baby from that person, which is an upside to them. That, that is, person. Is Dan- <laughs> duck. <laughs> and that's Daniel's fun I'm fact. I'm done. <laughs> Cal, what do you got? Cal doesn't have a fun fact. I'll give you a fun fact. Why can't T-Rexes clap? Because <laughs> they're extinct. <laughs> that was more of a joke than a fun fact, but carry on. Fa- Dan's fa- got a great joke, by the way. Favourite joke, go. Cal, you need one, yeah. Favourite joke? Yeah. Is that next to next yeah. one? Oh. This is one that uh, Connor told me, actually, one day. Oh, shout out. Um, he better listen to this. I, I hope he does. So, it was a really, really hot day. Not too... Int- um, dissimilar to the ones we've been having recently. Let's say 36 degrees, really hot Australian summer's day. Celsius for our American listeners. Uh, yes, 30, yeah, so that'd be quite cold, wouldn't it? <laughs> what if that is in Fahrenheit too? Are there American listeners? Are you just a shoot? Maybe, maybe one day. Do you know where your listeners come from? Kelly, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of cool, but anyway, we'll yeah. show you later. Yeah, so 36 degrees Celsius, Australian summer's day, um, and the penguins driving his car down the road. <laughs> So hot, he's just like whoo, flapping his wing. He's just like, I am so hot, and his car breaks down. He's having a real trouble, and renegade like such a hot day. And lucky enough, um, the the mechanic is um, luckily just 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 down the road. So he pushes his car along, um, gets into the mechanic, and um, the mechanic says, Oh, yep, yeah, all right, I'll have a look at it. Hopefully I'll fix it up for you. It might take a few minutes though, so if you want to um, just hang out for a bit, that's fine. The, the such penguin, a long-winded job. The penguin was like... People have stopped listening. I hope they have. I just zoned out for a second. The punchline is a killer. Um, the, the, the penguin's like, you know, it's a hot day, that's fine. I'm just going to go down the street and grab an ice cream. So off he trucks down the street and he's sweating, a, sweating up a storm. It's so, so hot. And he goes and gets his vanilla ice cream and he's just... Looking away at it, looks like he's watching. It's time to go back to the mechanic because the mechanic should be ready by now. So he's looking at his ice cream, walking back up the street, gets to the mechanic, and the mechanic goes, oh, um, oh, it looks like you've blown a seal. And he's like, no, no, no it's just ice cream. <laughs> it's Good. not the joke that I thought you were going to say. I like that joke. That's a great joke. Cal, what's your joke? Um, what's the difference between a tyre and 365 used condoms? What's that? One's a good year, the other one's a great year. <laughs> Dan's you awesome. You Google that just before. <laughs> no. That's outstanding. Well done. Very, very, very good. All right, now a couple of quick ones, all right? I want first thing that comes to your head. Favourite recording artist? The Beatles. Good. Mm, Bonnie Bear. Oh, good. Mm. Favourite movie? The Parent Trap. <laughs> I don't have a favourite movie. <laughs> First thing that comes to your head, go. Schindler's List. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Have you ever seen that movie? <laughs> no. Jen's <laughs> never seen that. No, I have. It's a little girl. You should. Right. You should. should. Spoiler alert. I've seen it. Like my masterpiece. masterpiece. Favourite book? Oh, I'm reading um, The Beach at the moment. Quite in- I haven't finished it. The Beach, yeah. as in... The one in Thailand. With, um, Leo. Yeah, yeah. The war. Not, Leo's not in the book, but he's in the movie. Yeah, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Cal, favourite book? 
Um, I recently finished The Handmaid's Tale. I think it might be my new favourite. Amazing. Amazing. Favourite alcoholic beverage? Gin. Gin. Good. <laughs> Gin Appreciation Society. And last one, favourite quote? You are what you eat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty, I like that. This <laughs> just descended into bloody chaos. Oh, mate. Um, at graduation the other day, our uh, valedictorian had the most perfect oh, yes. quote. Um, and she said, Our education, bemusingly, provides us with uh, protection, protection <laughs> against the world's injustices, but also the weapon to change them. Oh, and on that oh, note. Right in the fields.